John chapter 2, from verse 1 to 11, from the New Revised Standard Version. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding. Now, can you see John? He's taking us on a journey. And the next day, and on the third day, you know, so <laughs> all these things happened in the matter of days. And on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you or to me? <laughs> it's trusted, isn't it? Jesus talking to his mother like that. If you were a Nigerian mom, the slap will come from uppercut slap. <laughs> My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servant, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification each holding 20 to 30 gallons. You can do the math. A gallon is about maybe 3.7 liters. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some. Now, if you do the calculation, we are looking at about over 600 liters of water. You know the GP tank, the big one, is 500 liters. Now, the water they, those guys carried was not just small bucket. It was a lot. Someone drew some and take it to the chief steward. That is the master of ceremony. So, they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servant who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and, when, and then the inferior wine after the guests have been drunk. They can't tell anymore. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed him. Praise the name of the Lord. The first thing we see from this passage of scripture, in fact, are you not blessed already just reading this passage? <laughs> the word of God is life. You know, it's just life. It says, verses 1 and 2, it says, on the third day, there was a wedding 
in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Now, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, specific location. Again, you saw the map of Galilee last week, right? Do you remember? And you saw Nazareth, you know, was southwest of Galilee. And Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, and, and um, Philip said, come and see. Come and see. Now, Jesus was still in that area. And they invited him to a wedding. Jesus, his brothers, even though he didn't mention his brothers here, but you see that his brothers were there as we, as we read on further on. And his disciples to the wedding. And Jesus attended a wedding. Now, <laughs> Jesus attended a wedding. Sometimes we, we, we want to be so spiritual and we are of no earthly significance. We, we, we are so holy. We don't attend weddings. We don't attend... Um, <laughs> parties. Parties. Jesus attended a party. Oh, pastor, it's not a party. It was a party. In fact, it wasn't a really party. They were drinking alcohol in the party that Jesus attended. And when the alcohol finished, who produced more alcohol for them? I know many people want to remove that from the Bible, but it is there. It is inside. Now, obviously, obviously, the way wines are dealt in the Semitic region is not the way we are drinking beer today. Do you understand? It's a totally different thing. <laughs> totally different. Now, in a bid not to encourage people to begin to drink, and I'm not saying this because I think people should be drinking. Don't get me wrong. I don't drink. By God's grace, I will never drink until I see Jesus. I won't taste alcohol or wine until the married supper. And every pastor and minister in God's favorite house have committed that they will not take alcohol. That's the requirement. God's favorite house you want to be a pastor, you have to commit to it. Is it that is a sin? No. I don't think people that drink wine that contain alcohol, I don't think they are sinning because the Bible doesn't say they are sinning. But the Bible clearly says that there's a greater way and there's a greater path. The Bible says drunkenness is sin. Obviously, if you drink, you get drunk, it's a sin. The Bible says you should rather be filled with the Holy Spirit, not with wine. Praise the name of the Lord. So, but those that drink socially, 
Sushi drinkers. Are they sinning? I think not. Can it lead to sin? Of course it can. Of course it can. Easily. Which is why we don't touch it with a long pole. Because when you begin to lose your senses, anything can happen. Are you understanding this? Good. Good. So if you, if, if you see someone taking wine, don't judge them. Just leave them. Just leave them. The closer they get to Jesus, the more the wine will far away from them. Is that okay? But there's a problem if you say that you are close to, you know, I was speaking with one of um, my pastor friends, and um, I mean, and, and it was, she was saying how she cannot correlate someone that is, you know, supposedly close to the Holy Spirit. And if you see the, um, how rude this girl is, so rude. But one minute she's in the spirit, the other minute she's abusing you. <laughs> it doesn't mix. There's a problem with that. Praise the name of the Lord. So the closer you get to God, the more you drop these things, the more they become nothing to you. And the less judgmental you become yourself of the people that are still struggling with those things. So, John shows us that Jesus was not antisocial. Jesus was not antisocial. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 3 says, the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So, Jesus, and this is very interesting. Jesus' mother told him, they have no wine. You know, NLT says, their woman. But that was not what it says in the original. And it says, woman. But, you know. The, the Western mind can't conceive why, so you have to make it nice. Their woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. So we see here that in this life, the wine can run out. The wine can run out. The wine supply can run out. Things cannot always be perfect. Sometimes things will not go as you want it at work. All the policies cannot favor you. Sometimes things will change off your feet. When these people were planning their wedding, they didn't plan that the wine will run out. Who plans the wedding and plans that the, the food will finish? Nobody. But it did. And many times, we think it is strange when the wine runs out. We think it's strange when things happen to us. We think it is strange when you, you maybe your, the wine runs out in your, in your marriage. You don't feel the, the, the bubble again with your 
spouse, is your wife or your husband, and you think it's strange. Says, oh, pastor, help, help for what? Says, I don't feel in love with my husband again. I think there's a problem. I say, there's no problem. Go and meet Jesus and get the wine back. Period. Wine can run out. Wine that runs out can be recreated. Do I get an amen? Yeah. So go back and recreate the wine. Christ lives in you. Wine runs out in, in, your, in your work. Workplace. Wine runs out in your business. You are going through a financial challenging time. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's normal to life. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And we see from this story that Jesus was present at the wedding. The mother, the, the, the brothers, the disciples, they were invited. The, the people, the couple, they didn't let us know who the couple, their names, but there have been a lot of speculations. I don't even want to get into all that. You know, I don't know how useful it is. and I don't think we have too much time. Or whose wedding it is, but we'll leave that. But the key thing is, whoever they were, they surrounded themselves with people that can help them solve problems. They surrounded themselves, obviously, with people that can do things they cannot do. They surrounded themselves with people that can take initiative. Who do you surround? If you surround yourself with people that are not going anywhere, people that are just critical, people that are just negative, people, before you know it, you're by yourself, you become critical, you become negative. And when there's a problem, actually, you don't get it solved. Why? Because the people you've are surrounded yourself with have poisoned you. You have to surround yourself with people that take initiative. Initiative. Usually there are four types of people and you are one of them. One of these four. And the people you surround yourself with are one of the four. What are the four? You have the pessimist. You have the optimist. You have the analyst. You have the executionist. It's on the screen if you need to. Everyone at that wedding is one of these four. Everyone that was surrounding the couple is one of these four. Every single person around you is one of these four. And guess what? You are one of these four. Which one are you? Before you, you choose... Let me go through them. You see yourself very clearly. And, I was, and you see the one you should be. <laughs> the pessimist. Let's say that a wall is, being, is broken in the office, let's say. And it's, it's bad. It's really bad. And it's, can, it's a health hazard. 
The pessimists will say, ah, things are bad in this office. Ah, look at the wall. It's broken now. If I can kill somebody. Oh, you did not hear. I googled it. I saw in another company where do you have this kind of wall? This is what happens. Oh, that is what happens. Oh, I'm sure it's this person's fault. It's pessimist. It says it, it always, it's obvious. Negative. The second group is the optimist. By the way, the pessimist never solves the problem, creates fear and confusion in the people around them. The optimist sees everything good about the world. Oh, the world is not that bad. There are molds growing on it. It's just color green. Color green. But it's mold. So the optimist also doesn't solve the problem. In fact, neither the optimist or the pessimist are good for the system. As in, by themselves. Then you have the analyst. The analyst combines, you know, pessimism and optimism and analyzes, they're pragmatic, analyzes the problem. I will tell you the root cause of this situation. In 1954, this is what happens. The foundation of this wall was tilted in this direction and on and on. Analyze and analyze and analyze and analyze and analyze. But the executionist takes initiative and solves the problem. Yeah, but if you are thinking, why should I solve the problem of the, of, of the office? Is it my company? You know what that tells us about you? God cannot commit a company to your hands. That's what it tells us. Because if you are faithful in that which belongs to another, the Bible says, you are faithful. God will commit your own to you. You know that scripture? God expects you to be an executionist. Take the initiative. The cutting is out of place. Take the initiative. What, how come this, this set up and tear down people? What? How come they are not even... They should, don't, don't know how to arrange. What is wrong with your own hands? Nothing is wrong with the cutting, by the way. Some people are looking back and looking at the cutting. <laughs> you know, I just, as an example, these HGTD people, can they even arrange the chairs? What is wrong with your hands? You arrange the chairs. If you look at it, you know, t- technically, you know, w- when Jesus wasn't, when Jesus said, what is that with me? If you don't read the next um, sentence, you would think Jesus didn't care or he was nonchalant. No. If you read the next sentence, it says, my time has not come. So, Jesus was saying, I'm walking by a calendar. It hasn't come. But because Mary 
was an executor, executionist. She took the initiative. Did they ask her to go and look for wine? Answer, 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 answer. Nobody asked her to look for wine. But she took it upon herself. Now listen, every time you take it upon yourself to solve other people's problems, God will take it upon himself to solve your own problems. It's the key to life. Every time what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. That's how it works. The wine is running out. There are people in that place that is like, mm, these people, they don't even have enough money. Why don't you cut your coat according to your size? Why invite all these people if you know you are, you, the wine is going to run? There are people that will talk like that. Not Mary. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So which are you? Pessimist, an optimist, an analyst, or an executionist. Every one of us, we have a tendency to be one of these. Now, the question is, we all know which God wants us to be. And we need to move in that direction. Praise the name of the Lord. See, because people that are problem solvers, even when they don't do it themselves. They can't do it themselves. They find someone that can do it. Even though Mary cannot turn water into wine, she knows somebody that can do it. Mary can't turn water into wine, and she knows somebody that can do it. So Mary went and told Jesus, Oga, I've been watching you in the house. All those miracles, miracles you are performing. <laughs> it's time <laughs> to go PLC. <laughs> and that's the power of community. Again, this man surrounded himself, or this couple invited useful people into their lives. I pray that you will invite useful people into your lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Because you never know who will turn water into wine. You never know. You can't be a lone ranger. We are better together. You never know who will turn water into wine. You never know. I make effort to link up with other pastors and just be their friend. You know, I'm not saying I'm anointed. You know, I don't need anybody. I don't. You are treading a dangerous path. The people that have gone that place before, we know what happened to them. So I make effort to be friends. Why? Because you never know who can turn water into wine. <laughs> The power of community. You know, so I pray that in the name of Jesus that God will raise voices for you in places where you cannot speak for yourself. 
I pray that God will raise, like God did for this couple. They didn't know Mary was going to be there. They didn't know what the initial was going to be there. But they didn't know Mary was going to, you know, be the one. And they didn't know Jesus could do all the things he could do at the time. And they weren't even there where Mary began to speak for them and intercede on their behalf. I pray that God will bring into your life people that will fight your cause even when you have no clue in the mighty name of Jesus. And I also pray that God will use you as that voice for people when they cannot speak for themselves. I pray that God will use you to defend people that can't defend themselves. I pray that God will use you to solve problems for people that they don't even know they have the problem. Neither do they know you can solve it. That God will use you in the name of Jesus. And if you look at Jesus' response in verse 4, it says, Dear woman, <laughs> that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But the mother said to the servant, do whatever it tells you to do. When you have power with God, you can influence heaven and things will change. When you have power with God, this woman knew she had power with God and she influenced heaven. Now, Jesus' time had not come. I mean, obviously, there's a time for everything. All our lives, we, have, we are on a divine schedule. We are on a divine timetable. You are not late. You are not late. Some, some of your friends graduated before you. Some got married before you. Some have children before you. But you are not late. Praise the name of the Lord. You are not late. You are not late. You are not late at all. At all. My friends, their children are, are about to go into the university. In fact, one is they are in the university, about to go into the university. My first child is seven. Am I late? <laughs> I'm not late. I don't feel I'm late. I'm on the divine schedule. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, many times we should realize that there's a time for everything. Every time, rather. We should realize that there's a time for everything. And the key here is that even though there's a time for everything, there are things that you can change the timing if you have influence in heaven. That you can change the ordinances of things that have been set. You can go in and change it. And say, mm-mm, this one, no go be like that. 
and that is how it will be. <laughs> Mary shows us here. Was Jesus lying? It wasn't his time. But how did it become his time? The time came quickly. How? Because Mary birthed that time. You know, Mary birthed the time. And the time came. And Jesus has said, it wasn't my time, performed the miracle. Am I making sense? There are things that you can change. You know, it's good to have power with God. When you have power with God, it's a humbling thing. And it's a powerful thing. Humbling and powerful. Jacob wrestled with God. He wrestled with God to the point and he, God said, no, what do you want? Since you have wrestled with men and with God and you have prevailed, you have power with God. You, it's a good thing to have power with God. There are things Job said. Job was a righteous man, powerful man, rich man. He didn't have power with God. He was a spiritual man, but he didn't have power with God. At a point, Job lamented. I says, I wish there was someone that can plead my case. And, and, huh. again, if you don't have power with God, it's good to have friends that have power with God. I mean, just, but everybody should have power with God in Jesus' name. <laughs> Say amen. That can plead my case. Ah, do you have time for this? Joseph had a dream. He saw 11 sheaves bow to him. He had another dream, 11 stars, the sun and the moon bow to him. Israel said, your brothers are going to bow to you. Does that mean I will bow to you. Because he also saw the moon and the stars bow to him. The father and the mother bow to him. And Israel changed it. If you read Genesis 49, 50, when they came, Israel did not bow. Was the only one. Every other person bowed. When There are things that can be set. They are set. means and so. You get in, you change it. Except when you there are certain things I wanted to I wanted to change that heaven will now explain that eh, 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 this one, this one. So there are also some things that cannot be changed. One set. Let me give you an example. I can give you several examples. Several examples of my life. Several. Plenty. Too plenty. I'm just remembering them. There was a time we were in a church with a location, you know. 
and the 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 um, the landlady, the nice woman, gave the, the daughter takes the rent of the of the property, and she was not very nice. You know, she was young. You know, young rich sport girl. You know, <laughs> so she was always trying to abuse everybody. You know. So one day, we had like a face off. You know. And I warned her. I said that uh, something like I can't remember exactly what I said. That if you don't don't cross me, if you don't honor God, don't bring it here. You may have done it to several pastors. You may have abused several pastors. Don't come here because you will regret it. In fact, and I got home and I said, in fact, that property, I'm going to take it. I'm not just going to rent it. It belongs to us. And I engaged in the spirit realm. And heaven said to me, after a while, God said to me, Femi, that one I won't give you. I'm like, really? That that place is covenanted to him. And because it's covenanted to him, the mother has, and covenants are very powerful, though. Very powerful. The mother has entered a covenant with God. So because of that covenant, regardless of what the child did, there's nothing I could do. So I said, eh. They said, he said, I will give you your, I said, eh, okay, okay, fine. <laughs> okay, fine. Did you know that the mom came to my office months after, nice old woman, and she was telling me how she covenanted that place to God. How she said that place would be used for only the things of God. How, and she told me the history of that place. I was almost crying. She didn't know why. Fast forward. Are we, have I lost you? Okay. Are you enjoying these stories? Okay, cool. <laughs> Fast forward to here. We were in Oki Hotel and we were trusting God for this place. Unknown to me, there have been all sorts of maneuverings and lies and all sorts of things. I didn't know. And, um, We weren't supposed to get this place. And interestingly, I had friends that were prophetic people. God had revealed it to them. And instead of them to begin to pray, for, I mean, to intercede for their friend, right? Is that not the right thing to do? They said it among themselves and they laughed. My wife and I were in North Carolina and everything was played in front of me everything and I said to my wife that see this is, this is what is going on this is what has happened this is what they have said it is sealed in the spirit realm but as God leaves we are going to take that land and here we are to the glory of God 
We changed it. We changed it. And I'm not... I, these prophetic people are my friends still today. I, don't, I love them. I love them to be... They are my friends. I don't, I don't have any beef against them. They are just immature. That's all. <laughs> so there are things you can change. There are things you cannot change. Salome came to Jesus. I wanted to predetermine who will sit at the left hand and right hand. Jesus said, you can't change that one. No. Praise the name of the Lord. Whatever it tells you to do, do it. If you read verse 7 and 8, it says the, the, um, they did go on next. Go on. I don't want to read this part. Okay. Go back. Yeah. Now, draw some and take it to the chief priest. So they they took it. Now, the, the key thing about this passage of scripture is the, the servants and the disciples, they did exactly what they were told. They did exactly what they were told. And I tried to put myself in their shoes. I mean, I can be very curious. You know, they said, I'm listening to mother and son talk. Mother has said to son, they don't have wine. Son has said, I am not doing. Mother has said, do. Son has decided to do. And they are sending me to go and fetch the water that will become wine. I will try to taste it on the wheel. They even taste this thing. You know, they didn't do, they didn't taste it. I mean, it's a, it's a big, I mean, would you want to taste it? Am I the only one? I would want to taste it. I want to taste it. My personality is very curious. I want to find out. Eh? You mean what I can become why? In fact, I want to take some and put aside. Not because I want to steal. I want to just, you know, <laughs> experience, experiment. But they did exactly as they were told. You know, it's so important to obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And to akin than the fatness of, of rams. Obedience and love are, this, it are so intertwined. Jesus said to the disciples, if you love me, you will what? You will obey me. You will do what I have told you to do. If you, if you don't, that's why God said, you know, when people say, oh, they love God, but you hate people. Something is wrong with that. If you, if you don't love the man you can't see, how can you love the God you cannot see? The same thing with obedience. If you can't obey a man that you can't see, how can you obey a God you cannot see? How? Your husband says, let's do A. Is A is not a sin. A is not against God's will. But you say you will obey God, but you won't obey your husband. Something's wrong with that. 
Praise the Lord. Something wrong with that? If A is against God's will, obviously you, have to, you need to talk about that. If A is a sin, you need to talk about that. If you can't obey the man you can't see, how can you obey God you can't see? Many times, when God wants to test your obedience to him, he tests your obedience to men. Many times, when God wants to test your love for him, he tests your love for men. In fact, when Jesus said, when he came, and he says, some says, oh, um, oh he says, to come to the right hand, you, you saw me, um, you fed me when I was hungry, you clothed me when I was naked, you visited me when I was in prison, and they're like, when did we see you and we fed you? When did we see you naked and we clothed you? When did we visit you? He says, if you can do it for men, if you can love the men you can see, you have done it for me. Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 5. Verse 9. It says, when the master of ceremony has tasted the water that was drawn, now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, it brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. Every time people look at your life and say, we thought we have seen your best, but now it's even better. Know that Jesus is at work in your life. I think we should give him praise. (laughs) Hallelujah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Every time when people look at you and say, I thought we have seen your best, but this is even better. Jesus is at work. Jesus is at work. And you have to give him the glory. You have to give him all the glory. You have to give him all the glory. There are people, I mean, back in the day, particularly when God's service has started, there are pastors, my friends, that had in their, I, I didn't know until recently when a man, a pastor and his wife came to my office and the, and the man knelt down and said I should pray for him. And I'm like, ah, this is about five weeks ago? Is it five weeks? Yeah, they're about. I was like, why? What? He says, when, when you started Gospel Beat House, we abused you. We said, he can't, what can he, can he even do? We have seen what he can do. Nothing can be better than that. He says, but we have had miracles that God has done through you since God's rift has started. We have seen with our eyes. We talk to people. God is with you. We thought we've seen the best, but this is better. Pray for us. Now, some of you may not be able to relate to that, but some of, a lot of you can relate to that. Okay, I'll pray for them, and I prayed for them, and they left. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that your life becomes better and better. That that people will not look at your life and say, ah, we thought it was good, it's even worse. That will not be your portion. People will look at your life and say, we thought we have seen the best, 
But heaven will answer and say the best is yet to come. In the mighty name of Jesus. That some of you, you think you have seen your financial peak. You think all you need to do now is to save. Listen, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. The best is yet to come. In the name of Jesus. The best is yet to come. When people look at your life and they say, ah, ah, and we thought this guy was finished. There's some of us, we, we, we rose to a career point, we lost the job or something happened and all that, and people think you are done. You are not done. You are rebooting. <laughs> Hallelujah. You are rebooting. You are rebooting. So when this pastor and his wife came to my office, I was surprised by, by me, personally, <laughs> because I, I wasn't there. I didn't know all the things they said about me. They said, we abused you. We called you names. We said you are this and that. But Jesus saves the best for later. Jesus saves the best for later. Always saves the best for later. When people look at you and turn their back on you, it's fine. It's okay. The next time they check you out, you'll be on a higher level. He always saves the best for later. And that alone can be someone for one night. But we gotta go. <laughs> in Proverbs 4 18, it says that for the path of the just is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, your path will be that of a shining light that shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. In the name of Jesus. Verse 11 says, This miraculous sign. At Cana was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. There's a lot to say about that, but I'll skip. I'll just move on for time. Text number two. John 2, 12 to 25. John 2, 12 to 25 says, After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers. Can you see? Because his brothers were there in the wedding. After the wedding, he just went... You know, and his disciples, and they remained there a few days. The Passover of the Jews was near, as we learned last week. You know, this is just three days after, you know. And Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their table. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple. Both the sheep and the cattle, he also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned the table. Jesus was a troublemaker. Let, let, me, let me give you a background of this thing. <laughs> the population of Jerusalem is about 250,000 people. The law demands that at feasts like this, 
Everyone in the environment of Jerusalem must come to Jerusalem to worship. So at this festival times, the, the population of Jerusalem grows to about a million, a million five hundred people. And the temple is usually packed. And here was this young man, barely 30. Scattering the, te- the temple. That temple was 60, 65 acres of land. And it was being rebuilt by Herod at the time. And he went there and he was throwing away their tables. He, he, he went, imagine Jesus. He was, the Bible says he made the koboko himself. He made it from cords. When he was weaving it, the disciples say, Oh God, what are you doing? He said, Wait, I'm going to show you. <laughs> he was weaving it. He said, Oh God, this thing looks like a bulala. He said, yeah, hey, Follow me. God is on his Don't you want to meet Jesus one day? <laughs> I said, ah, Oh God, you try. He also poured out the coins. I don't know where I am again. Where are you going? Where am I? Poured out the coins of money changers. Thank you. He told those who were selling those, take this thing out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written in Psalms. You see, John quotes the wisdom book a lot. In Psalms, the zeal for your house will consume me. And the Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years. Reconstruction by Herod. And I will raise, and you will raise it in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Everybody says his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. Verse 23. When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believers, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about him, about no one to testify about anyone. For he himself knew what was in everybody's hearts. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so skip verse 12. Let's go straight to verse 15. Jesus made a whip from ropes and chased them out of the temple. Jesus, what do you do with whip? Whooped. You know? I was, I was speaking with one of the pastors, and, and she said to me, her daughter said to her that, oh, pastor is so nice, he can't flog people. <laughs> and he showed her that I had a cane in my office, you know. I actually have a cane in my office, you know. So says, what do you use it for? You know, I have many little children that are my friends. I use one hand to lock them, I have one hand to, to whoop them. If I can't whoop you, I can't be your friend. If you're too big to be whooped, then stay away. I'm not talking about adults. I don't whoop adults, 
<laughs> I'm talking about children. Because foolishness abounds in a child's heart. The rod of correction. So they show the girl, girl says, ah, pastor cannot beat somebody. No, she can't picture it. The same way, many of us, we can't picture Jesus. Whooping people. Jesus was whooping adults. <laughs> it's amazing. The people that were selling goats and, she- and, and sheep chased away the goats. They, they receive their freedom. <laughs> Table of money changers, they pushed it away. It scattered all their coins. As in, those were, as in, you are asking for trouble. These are the people that control the commerce of the temple. And at that time, everything happens in the temple. They don't collect money that people spend. They, they have the temple, the, the, the dinari and the, and the, the tiran, they call it, is the, the purest form of silver at the time. So you have to bring your money to buy it so that you can use it to buy the, the goat. So that the, when you buy the goat, the money comes back to them. Do you understand? When you bring your own goat, they look at it and say, your goat is not uh, pure. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they say that this goat is it's lame. You can't offer it to God. You have to buy the one they are selling. Horrible. But it's, it's interesting that when Jesus, in verse 15, he drove out the sheep and the cattle, he scattered the table of the money changers' coins over the floor and turned their table. Get to verse 15. Watch what happens. Then, then, going over to people that sold doves. He told them, get these things out of here. Wow. Why didn't they flog them? He has been flogging people before he got to them. Why didn't he scatter the doves so that they can fly away? The cage. Why? Because those were the sacrifices provided for the poor. And Jesus himself, his parents were poor. When they brought him to the temple in Luke 2 verse 24, it was those that they could use as a sacrifice for him. So when he got to the table of the doves, he remembered. So you guys just move this thing away. You know, there are some people, even when you're angry, and you're flogging everybody, and you get to them, look at them. Just go. Just go. And it jumped out at me. I'm like, wow. So why didn't he? Because the merchants were catering for the poor. And Jesus was like, okay guys, but just go. I'm not going to flog you. I was going to give you six, six lashes before, but just go. Zechariah 14, 21, I'd already given this prophecy of how the temple is going to cleanse. You can read it when you get on. 
So the people were, were profiteering, the priests were profiteering from the people. But if you look at verse 16, it says, Get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. I want to pray for you. If you are here, your temple, your body, your mind, the way it can be described is like the marketplace for unclean spirits. They come in, they go out. Today, it's going to come to an end in the name of Jesus. If you would come out, we will pray and Jesus will set you free. Um, obviously, you know that, you know, it's not until you somersault ten times. <laughs> Maybe I should learn how to somersault. God is speaking to someone. So the question is, how do you see God's house turned into a marketplace today? How do you see God's house turned into a marketplace today? May not, I mean, I hope not God's favorite house, but if you think so, let's hear it. How have you seen church, churches, One person, yes. Is there one at the back? I've heard of um, cases where some people will say you go to a particular church and the pastor will pray over anointing oil and they will be selling the anointing oil. So you buy the uh, specially prayed for anointing oil. That's a perfect example. Perfect example. And there are places like when they have like a God room gay service, you can't bring your anointing oil. You have to buy the one uh, that we are selling. Otherwise, anointing will not enter inside. <laughs> that is so wrong. So wrong. But it's been done today. Yes. Please. Praise God. Hallelujah. And another church is, is when you are coming there for counseling, you have to bring money. After paying the money before they will do counseling on you. <laughs> Praise God. I, I heard that before. Thank you. At, when you are wait, you've come to see um, the pastor and you're waiting, you know. Um, uh, someone will come and, you know, collect uh, what have you brought. And they have to check it. Too. They have to check it. If it is not... Uh, you say, okay, they will collect this one, but you, you still have to come next week until it has uh, gauged. It sounds funny, but it's, it's so, it's so, I mean, sad. God will help us not to turn his house into a marketplace. In the name of Jesus. You know. That's why we don't, we don't sell things. In church. But you have bookshop. bookshop. is not God's free house. Bookshop is registered. That's his own name. You don't even have to buy anything there. The, the messages are free. You don't have to buy it. Praise the name of the Lord. They are free. 
Someone says, ah, but that's a, that's a stream of income. <laughs> of income. Is the word your own? He says, but, but you write books and you get, eh, well, because people will buy books. But the concept of profiteering should not be in the church. I have a friend that, that, that said to me, that, oh, I know that you are, you, you, you are, you are, um, um, you'll be getting the devotional for next year ready. You need to teach me these things. You know, I didn't understand. You know what it says I should teach him. Teach you what? How to write. You know? Or what? Which one? How to receive from God. What should I teach you? You know? How much are you selling it? I sold him 1,000 naira. And so what's the cost price? So you want to know? I said 2,800 naira. Say, eh? He's not interested anymore. <laughs> the cost price of those devotions is 2,800 naira. The selling price is 1,000 naira. We cannot turn God's house to a place of profiteering. We cannot. It's so easy to slip into it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this because anybody's better than anybody. It's so easy to slip into it. Well, you have to be deliberate to make sure that your focus remains Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. When you start merchandising the oil, something is wrong with that. Jesus said to them, freely have you received. Freely give. So how will you pay? How will you take care of yourself? The one that has sent you will take care of you. Praise the name of the Lord. Ah. Again, I can stay here for a long time, but we got to go. <laughs> I don't know. You know, because people, it's that like they are sending themselves or what? If you, you know that if you send yourself, then you have to fend for yourself. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If you send yourself, you fend for yourself. If he sends you, he fends for you. And by that, not only physically money, it fends for you spiritually. It fends for you emotionally. It fends for you. So powerful. Psalm 69 verse 9 is the scriptures that was quoted. In verse 18, it says, now, if you read verse 18, the Jews said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Now, look at it, look at it, look at it, look at it. These people know the scriptures. They know that scripture in Zechariah. They know that what they are doing is wrong. They know that the marketplace cannot be the house of God and the house of God cannot be the marketplace. So when Jesus came to scatter their money, Shouldn't they be angry? Shouldn't they say, why are you doing this? Shouldn't they try and stop him? Shouldn't they try and fight him? Shouldn't they? They said, show us a sign that you have the authority to do this. What does that tell you? They are spiritual people. They are spiritual people. They know that he's either he's God or he's mad. 
for him to do what he's doing is either something is backing him or he has lost it. So they did fighting. They say, what sign can you show us for doing this? And Jesus again just messed them up. <laughs> Their mind. He says, there will be no sign. But that which uh, Noah Noah did he say Noah? No. Jonah. That's in Matthew. Matthew's account. But in John, bring up verse 19 to 21. It says, then Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. That's the sign I'm going to give you. And the Jews said, ah, this temple has been under construction for 46 years. And you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Now, this statement will, three years later, they didn't forget, be the basis for killing Jesus. Though they didn't understand it, they fulfilled the prophecy. In Matthew 26, 61, when they asked, who declared? When they asked them, this man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Look at you now. They yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come back. So they, they held that back belly. You know, some people, there are some things you will say that you think they have forgotten, but they have held it. And when you are in your lowest point, they will use it against you. They say, Shebi, you said this. Shebi, you said this. You, say, you wanted to break down the temple. Break it down. Build it in three days. They didn't know that they had to break it down for him to raise it up. Praise the Lord. So they were actually fulfilling it. They were killing him based on what he had said three and a half years earlier. One thing about, about um, um, some people, you can't change them. They are sons of perdition. They are destined for destruction. It's sad. But if you check scriptures, some people are, are sons of perdition. There's nothing you can say. You can't change them. So they held it. They held it. 23 to 25. Because of the miraculous sign Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature. For he knew what was in each person's heart. One of, the, one of the greatest gifts God can give any man is the ability to discern. You know? And I pray that God will give you the gift of discernment. One of the 
I, I'm grateful to God that God has blessed us with the gift of discernment. That saved me a whole lot. When people are talking and they are laughing with you, you can see their heart. So you smile, but you know what they are going to do next. And sometimes, some people, they don't even know what they are going to do. But you know what they are going to do. So you leave them. After a while, they do what they think they will never do. So you have your constituents, your comrades, your, come on, confidence is last one, yeah, your confidence, your conspirators, then your so when they were saying Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, it was the same Jesus that said, you can't get a donkey, let me write this, let me enjoy this thing, John, they're going to kill me tomorrow. So he was riding the donkey. They were saying, Hosanna. He knew that the same people will say crucify him. Barely 24 hours after. The same people. I've never seen a pastor like you before. Sure. The same people. You are the best pastor in the whole world. The same people. And again, I'm grateful to, uh, for, is there everybody that says that, that are crazy people? No, don't get me wrong. And I'm grateful for people that are appreciative. And I'm appreciative. But I'm saying, you can't entrust yourself to men, to all men. Obviously, if you look at Jesus, it's not that he didn't entrust himself to men. He did. He chose 12. John put his head on his bosom. He trusted him. But what he's saying, so people will take this scripture and say, I can never trust anybody. Did you hear the sermon today? They begin to suspect everybody. Suspect everybody. That, that's not what, is that what God is saying? Of course not. Of course not. Oh, that person is jealous of me. Oh, that person. You live your life saying people are jealous of you. You never get anything done. Just keep moving forward. The people that be jealous will be jealous. Praise God for them. You need them. You need them. You need the peninas. You need them for your destiny. Don't just love them. Move on. Do you have any questions? <laughs> okay, let's pray God for the Lord Jesus. You know, today I just ensured that we finish chapter two. You know, otherwise, John is too sweet. And, and I want us to get to finish the whole book, you know, um, before next year. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So my question is really about the application, not necessarily the book of John itself, because right. that was explicit. So, about the spirit of discernment, when you see people that you know that they're not being sincere and stuff like that, how do you handle that, you know, on an ongoing basis? You know, what do you do? And also, the people that do not know that their hearts are not 
that can't believe they would eventually do what they, those people. Is there any way you can intervene? Because if they don't really know that they're going to do that, it means they think their heart is in the right place. So how do you help? Okay, that's, those are very deep questions to answer. Uh, the follow-up question is a different question. Follow-up, okay. Hallelujah. Um, if you have, if you, for instance, you have, uh, you are talking to someone and you can actually hear what the person is about to speak. I think that's spirit of discernment. How do you develop it? How do you what? Develop such. Oh, how do you develop it? Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's a very good question too. Thank you. Okay. So, um, I'll start with development, then how to handle it. Um, just more of how to handle. Um, um, in, in, the, in Hebrews 5, um, it talked about, towards the end of Hebrews 5, it talked about by reason of use, they have their senses exercised to discern good from evil. So, um, discernment can be developed by reason of use. The more you exercise it, the sharper you become. The more you, you exercise it, the sharper you become, the better it becomes. You, you know, I, I've showed before that many times, I, I mean, I've, I've not, I can't remember doing it recently, but years ago, when I was, I mean, well, developing this, when I shake people, when I notice the Holy Spirit talks to me like that, when I shake people, I ask him, who is this person? And 100% of the time, is accurate. 100% of the time. I shake this person, who is this person? I know already. So when it plays out, sometimes I still get hurt, don't get me wrong, but so you, 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 there's, a, there's a use part and there's a gift part. There's a gift that is a general gift of discernment that God gives his children, which you should ask for, and it also comes with a gift of wisdom, so you should ask for it. Um, but there's a, also a gift of discernment of spirits, which is not this, this is not this gift of discernment. Totally different things. Discernment of spirits, you can actually tell. You can see demonic operations. You can tell, see angelic spirits. You can, for instance, what day were we here? Saturday, prayer meeting. Was it Saturday? We had a prayer meeting on Saturday, right? Angels were, it, it, there were a lot here. My mind, I'm like, ah, these people didn't know, you know? And, and we weren't a lot, we were a few of us. So it was like, you never know when, I don't even know what they were doing, but it's not my business. So I faced what I, what I was doing. Do, do you understand? So, that's, that's it. Now, you, you know someone has um, a, is going to, you've discerned the person to be in a negative way, right? And um, so, so, how do you deal with the person? Another thing you need to also de determine is, is it, 
a necessary part of your work. There are some people, I know them, they are agents of Satan. They're in this church, even right now, seated here. And we are friends. Friends in quotes. You get what I mean? I know people just look straight. <laughs> it's better, you see, if one of um, um, the head of prayer, Pastor Lola, came to me and was telling me to drive away one of such people. I don't you have to pray. I said, no. I said, don't drive with the person away. I said, if you drive the person away, Satan will send another one. Then we will now have to start having to unravel that one. So let's leave this one that we already know. <laughs> so I told myself, I don't worry about driving away. On mission. Let me tell I'm on mission now. <laughs> so so some people will be there. They said to, to Jesus, they said to the master, the, the, the enemy has come to sow tears. Should we all pray? They said, no, leave them. Light cannot bow to darkness. It's impossible. So some are necessary. Not necessary that you want them, but they're part of the story. <laughs> So, sometimes it will cause you pain, but it's fine. God will use it for your glory. See what happened. Jesus says, I chose you 12 and one of you is a devil. Did he chase away Judas? The pain Judas caused him, what happened to it at the end of the day? It's for our benefit today. So, don't try and get rid of everybody that is not for you. When you are so fixated on people that are not for you, you will be praying some foolish prayers. I'm telling you, you'll be praying prayers you ought not to be praying. Focus on your assignment. So that is that. So what about people that they don't know, but they will turn out sour? Some of them can be helped. Some of them cannot be helped. The ones that can be helped, it's just a heart thing. It's a, it's a heart thing. When someone has a good heart, no matter how bad the person is, the person can be helped. When somebody has a bad heart, a arrogant heart, a cocky heart, no matter how good the person is today, the person can't be helped. So, it's a heart work. I mean, I've told you the story of, of my, my spiritual father. When he was on his deathbed, at the time, I didn't know it was his deathbed, you know. I, I, went, I went to see him in, in London, and um, he, he's always very, I mean, um, emotional for me when I think about it. And, and I was asking him questions, and he was talking, and I was writing, and I was writing. I want it just stopped. It looked at me. I piercing through me. It was as if it was tracing into, into me. I mean, he has, if you know him, he has this piercing look. 
and he said to me that, Femi, this work is a heart work. And he said, I will never forget it. He says, you have a good heart. He says, you will go very far. No one can stop you. Keep your heart, Femi, keep your heart. I have had spiritual children that have very wicked hearts. Very wicked hearts. I look into them, I see it. It's evil. Where are they getting it from? Is it from me? Of course not. Of course not. Some you can help. Some you can't help. It's a heart. It's a heart work. If your heart is right, there's nothing God cannot do through you. Even if you make mistakes, you will make mistakes. You are human. There's no human being on earth that will not make mistakes. But if you have a good heart, God can still help you. But if the heart is bad, you need to be born again. So they can give you a good heart. (laughs) Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, since there are no more questions... Ah, do you have a question that you think is really is is really serious? Okay, yes, let's have it. Praise the Lord. Um, oh, yeah. Quick one, Pastor. Is uh-huh. it suffice to say that um, Jesus' mother must be an inner caucus, a family member, for him to have known that, for her to have known that wine was finished, and therefore we can't go around the world and be trying to solve the world's problem, meaning that. Why we can help others, but not every situation or every problem that comes our way that we're going to try to do or try to help. Right. That's correct. You know, um, she knew them personally because she was invited personally. So she probably felt she had the responsibility to help them. Since she has a son that can perform miracles. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, what else can the mother ask for? To have a son that can perform miracles. Can bring money out of the mouth of fish. Can turn... I mean, you, yeah. If you can do all that, what would you do? <laughs> so, yes, uh, we can't go around solving everybody's problems. Your first question is, is what? Pardon me? Yes, she knew them, yes, because they were invited. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Has this been useful for you? Just talk to God. And say to the Lord, Here I am before you, Lord. Help me. Help me. And I want to pray with you if you are, you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never, ever given your life to Jesus. Or you used to be born again, you backslidden. I want to come back to Jesus. I want to come back to Jesus. That is you. Put up your hand wherever you are. We'll pray together. Quickly, that is me. Put up that hand over your head. I will pray together. Create in me a new
me not away from your presence. Don't take your spirit. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. My Lord, restore unto me. Restore unto me the joy of salvation. Me not away, let's take it from my heart. Holoko, he taliba has a hiede. So could I say, Sahani Talabo Kayasa. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for your children, everyone in this place, Lord. Lord, give us a good heart, Lord. Give us a new heart, oh God. A heart that wants to do your will. A heart that is yielded to you. Take away the heart of stone from our flesh and give us a heart of flesh. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's pronounce together for the Lord. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Tell it in the